Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. In Greek, the word hypocrite was first used to describe someone who was in a drama, someone who was in a play. Then the word began to be used in a negative, in a pejorative way of someone who pretends. So this word hypocrite denotes an insincere person, especially one who pretends to be holy, pious, and religious. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. No one likes a hypocrite. And when a person says one thing and does another, it can damage or destroy the testimony of an individual or a ministry. So as followers of Christ, how do we deal with hypocrisy in our lives? Today, we're dealing with biblical truth on this important topic as we dig deeper into Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. Let's join Pastor John Monroe. If there's one sin which most of us find very difficult to overlook, it's hypocrisy. No one likes a hypocrite. In fact, one of the common reasons people give why they don't attend church is the hypocrisy of some church members. The reality is that there are many who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, but whose lives certainly don't reflect that. What do you think about hypocrisy? Any hypocrisy in your life? It's easy to point to the sin of hypocrisy in others, but by doing so, we might well be hypocrites ourselves. Jesus clearly denounces hypocrites in the Gospels, and as we continue the Sermon on the Mount today, we will learn about hypocrisy from the lips of Jesus. We want to live authentic lives. Don't play the hypocrite. Well, today our subject is Don't Play the Hypocrite. And uh, we are continuing our study in the Gospel of Matthew, looking particularly at the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read with you Matthew 6, verses 1 through 8. So there you are sitting at home. Would you just read these uh, verses loudly so they'll be impressed on your heart with me? Here is the teaching of our Lord Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And when your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's Matthew 6, verses 1 through 8. Today, Jesus is challenging us regarding hypocrisy. Is there any hypocrisy in your life? Hypocrites tend to be very critical of others, but rarely, if ever, criticize themselves. 
I was thinking of the subject of hypocrisy as we look at this passage of Scripture. And in life, we may be tolerant of all kinds of sins. We may be tolerant of gossips. We may be tolerant of those who tell lies. We may even be tolerant of those who commit immorality, but few of us are tolerant of hypocrites. There's something about hypocrisy uh, which annoys all of us. So this is serious. In Luke 18, Jesus tells a parable about two men who go to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, a very religious man. The other is a tax collector, a very irreligious man. And the Pharisee starts his prayer by saying this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. That's the epicrate, isn't it? So today as we begin our study, be careful that you are not saying, thank God I'm not a hypocrite like other people. Be careful. Now in Matthew chapter 23, seven times our Lord says this, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And then in Matthew 15, the Lord says this, Matthew 15 verse Seven, again on the subject of hypocrisy, he said, so for the sake of your tradition, the Pharisees and scribes love their own traditions, you've made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. This is the height of hypocrisy, saying one thing and doing another. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they honored God with their lips. They knew the law. They could quote the verses of Scripture. They could impress people by their knowledge of Scripture, by their lengthy prayers. But, says Jesus, your hearts are far from me. See, the hypocrite loves people to think well of them and rarely will admit their own hypocrisy or even see themselves as hypocrites. And the tragedy of hypocrisy is that when we continue to practice it, we're deceiving others because we're pretending to be closer to God than we really are, but then we end up being self-deceived. We buy in, as it were, to our own deceptions. But says Jesus, God sees your heart. God sees your motives. Our Father, he says, sees in secret. You tell your children not to cheat at school, but do you cheat in business? You come and you worship God and you sing the praises of God, but you go home and you use vulgarities and even profanity in your home and at work. Hypocrisy. Now, in Matthew 6, as we read, Jesus gives three examples of hypocrisy And the worst kind of hypocrisy, I think you'll agree with me, is religious hypocrisy. It's the hypocrisy of the individual who goes to church. And the three examples are giving, prayer, and fasting. So let me read what Jesus says, skipping ahead a little bit to verse 16 of Matthew 6. He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. You get the point? They want everyone to know how spiritual they are. They are fasting. 
And they disfigure their faces so people say, oh, there's brother so-and-so. He's fasting. How spiritual. Truly, I say to you, says Jesus, they've received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you get the point? That's hypocrisy. Not, says Jesus, in your giving, in your praying, in your fasting, don't do it to be seen by others. Remember this, your Father in heaven, he sees, and he sees in secret. Years ago, I was invited to a, to a home by a couple prior to the Sunday evening service. Uh, being single, I quickly accepted. I thought I'd get a free meal. And I turned up at their home with a healthy appetite. And when I went into their house, I didn't smell anything. I didn't really think about it. And then I sat down uh, for the meal. And I say, I sat down. They stood. And uh, I looked at them and they said, well, we're not eating. We're on a fast. And then I looked at the table and it was the most meager of meals that I've ever seen. It may have satisfied a mouse, but not being a mouse, but a healthy young man, it certainly wasn't going to satisfy me, but I partook of the meager meal in front of me, and they kept explaining that they, out of their devotion to the Lord, were fasting. I consumed the meal pretty quickly, because I thought they might abandon their fast and, uh, when they saw the food, but they didn't. And I thought, this is strange. What a strange experience. If the couple were fasting, which is a good thing out of their devotion to the Lord, why invite someone for a meal? Why tell me about it? Uh, why, in effect, boast about it? No, says Jesus, if you're going to fast, do it in secret. Don't tell other people about it. And certainly don't invite others over for this meager meal, I would say. Fasting. Giving. Praying. Fasting in secret. Now let's think a little more particularly of the first two, giving and praying. First of all, in verses one through four, Jesus is saying, don't play the hypocrite when giving to the poor. Verse one, chapter six, beware of practicing your righteousness. Now Jesus has been talking about righteousness and about seeking righteousness and saying in chapter 5, verse 20, that your righteousness is to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. For them, it was all outward. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Don't let people know when you give to the poor, Jesus is saying. Don't show off when you give. Don't practice your righteousness, the broad principle. Don't practice your righteousness before other people. That's the basic warning of the three examples that Jesus gives in Matthew 6 of hypocrisy. If you do practice your righteousness to impress other people, understand this, you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. In John 12, verse 43, Jesus says of the Pharisees, they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Hypocrites love an audience. Hypocrites love to be under the spotlight. 
Thou says Jesus, if in giving, if in praying, if in fasting you're doing this to be seen by others, to impress others, to let people think you're very generous, to promote yourself, you're going to have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to listen to this teaching. I need to listen to this. Don't say, thank God I'm not a hypocrite. That it's in itself is a hypocritical statement. Admit, will you, that the seeds and possibly even the actions of hypocrisy are not only in your heart, but may be practiced. So when you give to the needy, when you're giving, it's a good thing to give. He doesn't say if you give, but when you give. As Christians, we are to be generous, but when you give, do it privately. And the Lord gives the example, possibly the amusing example, of an individual who is giving money to the poor, and he has a trumpeter ahead of him announcing that he's going to give. He's blowing his own trumpet. Not enough to give to the poor, he wants everyone to know. And so he has this trumpeter ahead of him. Jesus said, now that's what hypocrites do in the synagogues. Was it wrong to pray in the synagogue? No. In the synagogue there was prayer, but it's the way of praying and it's the motivation of praying. And here is the individual who prays in the, in the street, but he prays at the street corner. That's where there's the intersection and therefore most people, verse two, they do it, that they may be praised by others. That's the heart of hypocrisy. That's the motivation of the hypocrite to impress others, to get the approval of others, to get their praise, to get, as it were, the standing ovation. That's the motivation. And Jesus is saying, when you do that, that's hypocrisy. Now, the second example is don't play the hypocrite when praying. Verses five through eight. Again, don't pray like the hypocrites. How do the hypocrites pray? Verse five. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. You're getting the point, aren't you? Good to pray in the synagogue. Good to give money to the poor. Of course it is. Good to pray. But don't do it with this motivation to be seen by others. When you do that, you've received your reward. People may be impressed. People may say to you, oh, you're such a godly person. That was such a wonderful prayer. That sounded like an angel from heaven. And you say, yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Are you impressed by that? People may be impressed. God is very unimpressed. Don't show off when you pray. You see, people would never do that. Of course they would. The scribes and Pharisees did it. Do you think that we're exempt from showing off in our religious exercises, as it were? No. Remember, pray to your heavenly Father. In a couple of weeks, as we think of what's known as the Lord's Prayer, we'll think of that more closely, that when we're praying, we're praying to our Father who is in heaven. No, the prayer is to be in private. Praying in secret, verse 6. And when your father who sees in secret will reward you. Have you ever studied the prayer life of our Lord Jesus? He often went off, the scripture says, to a desolate place, to a private place to pray. Do you do that? Do you pray privately? You go into your room, 
walk, whatever it is, and you do it, and you get down on your knees and pray. What a great blessing. What a great reward when we're praying privately in our rooms, in the closet, as it were, to our Father, and we experience His strength and His grace, His favor, and His peace when we become focused on our great God, when we do that privately in prayer, not to impress others, but to do it in secret. God likes that. God is pleased with that. And when He sees that prayer in secret, He's going to reward you. Let me ask a question to those like myself who pray in public. Do you pray more fervently in public or in private? Do you pray differently, as it were, in public than in private? I'm really asking you the question. When you pray, is there any hypocrisy in your prayer? Do you, do you show off in your prayers? Jesus helps us what not to do. He's going to tell us what to do in the so-called Lord's Prayer, but in verse 7, he tells us how we shouldn't pray. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. The word empty phrases is really a babble. God isn't impressed. Your heavenly Father is not impressed by mindless repetition, by sheer volume of words, by some kind of mantra, by repeating words over and over again. The Gentiles did that. The pagans did that, praying at length with constant repetition to their deities. But Christian prayer is different. Don't pray in a mindless, repetitive way. Don't pray in an ostentatious way to show off. No, your prayer, says Jesus, is not to be with many words. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2, do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Think of who you're praying to. I know he's your father, but he's also the eternal God. This is what Ecclesiastes 5 is saying. God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I think if any of us had the privilege of uh, speaking to someone like the president, someone in a position of authority, if we were wise, we wouldn't speak too much. When you come to God in prayer, particularly in public, let your words be few. God is not impressed with the number of your words. If you're going to pray a long prayer, let me give you advice which Jesus is saying, do that in private. My dad used to say after prayer meetings where some brother had gone on and on and on and on. Have you ever been at a prayer meeting like that? You think, has there ever been a time when this brother has not been praying? Just going on and on. My dad used to say, long flights should be taken solo. If you're going to have that kind of prayer where you're going to go on and on and on and on, do that privately in your home. And we wondered, does this brother pray like this at home or is he only doing it when he's got an audience? I think all of us have been in prayer meetings where someone has just gone on and on with a kind of mindless repetition. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, who said of him that he was in a prayer meeting 
with a, quite a number of people, a fairly large number of people, and one dear brother kept praying and praying and praying and praying. Finally, Moody, who was obviously not the most patient of people, said, while our brother is finishing his prayer, can the rest of us sing him such and such? I've never dared to do that. I felt like it a few times. Here's some practical advice. When you're praying, for example, say in your life group, say in your Bible study, and there say 20 people of you, and uh, the leader of your life group says, now we're going to have a time of prayer, and we'll devote about 15 minutes to prayer. Don't be the individual who immediately starts praying, and you pray for about 10 minutes. Have consideration for others. Don't go on and on. Allow others to pray. Otherwise, uh, some people, they'll be too gracious to say it, but they'll sadly be thinking it, that you're trying to impress somebody with your lengthy, flowery, repetitive prayer where you're taking us around the world several times. Don't do that. Be precise. Be concise. Don't be repetitious. And listen to the practical advice Jesus gives at the end in verse 8. Do not be like them. That's the Gentiles. They go on and on and on and on. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. How wonderful. How wonderful. That as I go before my heavenly father with my burdens, with my requests, with my anxieties and my worries, my father who loves me, he knows my needs before I ask him. You say, well, why would you ask him? Why would you bother praying? Well, that's another question. But if you're a parent, you love it when your son, your daughter comes to you with a good request. You may well know that they need such and such. You may well know they need advice on such and such and you're able to give them that advice. But doesn't it show humility and doesn't it cause joy in your heart when your child comes and asks you for something and you're able to help God wants us to pray God knows your needs this is the verdict with pastor John Monroe and a message titled don't play the hypocrite there's more coming up on tomorrow's program but remember, you can always find these messages and listen at your own pace by going to our website at theverdict.org. And to go along with our current study of the Sermon on the Mount, we'd like to send you a special resource that goes hand in hand with our series. It's a booklet from John called Life in the Kingdom, and it will help you dig deeper into the teaching of Jesus on what it really means to follow Him and how to apply His practical teaching to your life each day. Right now, we're offering this to our listeners absolutely free. So request your copy of Life in the Kingdom or simply download it online when you go to our website at theverdict.org. And we also invite you to join in what God is doing through these daily biblical messages by supporting us with a financial gift. Your generous contributions will help keep these gospel messages on the air in your local community and enable us to reach new listeners across the globe. You can make a special gift today by going online to theverdict.org. Or you can give over the phone by dialing 833-551-2231. Or send a donation in the mail to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, 
Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. And by the way, make sure you're subscribed to The Verdict Podcast. You'll find us on most podcast apps by searching for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? At the beginning of the broadcast, I asked if there was any hypocrisy in your life. It can be easy to first think of the faults of others, but after listening to this message, what is your verdict on yourself? In your spiritual life, be much more concerned with what God thinks of you rather than others. Don't do things so that people will think how spiritual you are. That's hypocrisy. Live as an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Next time, we will continue to hear the teaching of Jesus. Meantime, don't play the hypocrite. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.